You're listening to Your Two Cents, the podcast, made possible by Credit Unions of Atlantic Canada. Rebecca Higgs is hashtag DIY goals. Her online presence and Bell 5 TV1 show document how she went from being an amateur DIYer to house flipper extraordinaire. Rebecca and Sylvia dive deep into the thing behind every successful home reno, a well-thought-out financing plan. Rebecca, I am so excited to finally meet you today. I know you as DIY mom because all of my friends talk about I love you um, and you were a social media handle to me before you were a person um, but you're such an inspiration can you tell me a little bit how DIY mom came to be thank you so much for saying all that that's really nice to hear I love when the fourth wall kind of gets torn down and you get to know the person for who they really are not just the social media handle so that's great I Grew up in a family that fixed up and flipped homes and we moved around a lot as kids. My parents were semi-handy, but definitely my mother had a very artistic, creative touch. So she was always beautifying the spaces and treating her houses like her own personal dollhouse. So I developed a love for fixing things up, making things beautiful and creating unique spaces definitely from my mother and it came from early in childhood, but I've always had a knack for performance. I love to be on stage, to make music, to sing and act. And when I grew up and in a family that played lots of instruments and we were always singing together as a family. So in my twenties, I ended up going off and becoming a musician and writing my own songs and touring around Canada and around the rest of the world with my solo project, Rebecca Higgs, and then my band, Ruby Jean and the Thoughtful Bees. So that kind of swept away my 20s. And to be honest, I don't really remember a lot of those years, but <laughs> I saw a lot of great things. I gathered up a lot of inspiration and I had a very adventurous full life. But when my daughter was born, I just decided I wanted to do something a little bit more home-based. And I was living in Toronto at the time. So I moved back to Nova Scotia. I got a job in the film industry and I started working at Egg Films, making commercials and working with clients and doing all kinds of really great work that I loved. The constant changing environment and all the various projects were super inspiring and perfect for my ADHD personality. Just got to do something different every day. It was great. And then when my daughter was a little bit older, I started thinking about, you know, life outside of the 30 second commercial and what would my personal brand be and what could I offer to the world that's a unique perspective and a unique voice for me. And that's when I came up with the idea of DIY mom. And I started doing sort of projects, hacks, decorative things while my daughter was sleeping. And I taught myself how to make videos and edit videos. And it's just been a whole learning process. And so I think that the people who have been following me from the start have seen me develop and become more full creative individual that I am and, and being able to tackle bigger renovations and larger interior spaces because I started small and I kind of worked up to where I am now. So that's the the long and the short of it. That's incredible. I am more in awe of you than I was even before we started having this conversation. One of the things I love about you is that you are quite literally building your own path. So you're starting with hacks and all these things, and you've gone all the way to renovating entire houses and moving into these houses and finding new passion projects and flipping those. And you're also doing it while you're on TV. So you seem to have merged your old life and your new life really beautifully together, which is pretty 
amazing. How did that opportunity come up? It's just interesting how art imitates life or, or life imitates art or vice versa, because as opportunities started coming to me and I started saying yes, and just stepping into those things and going for it and believing that I could take on bigger projects and, you know, never really questioning my abilities, even though I really am a hack. Like I, I don't really know how to do anything until I do it. And part of the reason why I like to inspire and encourage other people just to kind of pick up a power tool and, and start making something is because everyone starts someplace. And, you know, this idea that we have to come to something perfect, that just, just doesn't sit right with me. Um, life is all about learning and creating new things. And so for me, experiencing things for the first time, tackling projects for the first time, learning as I go, collecting knowledge from everybody that has ever walked in a door and helped me with a project. I'm just like a sponge for information. And I love soaking up that and being a lifelong learner. So it's really, I've grown and I've taken steps as they've come up and kind of said yes to these opportunities as they come up and it keeps leading to you know bigger better things and deeper connections and and more purpose driven work which is what i i love to be doing and i, I love to make things more about than just making a pretty picture on instagram i like to encourage people to live fulfilling full lives to experience life in all ways like the highs and the lows and the struggles and the successes and also to have quality time with your family because you just never get back those tiny moments with your tiny little children. I love that. That's amazing. It's really interesting. I love that you're talking about using power tools because I never knew how to use tools growing up, really didn't have much of an interest in it. But when we bought our second house, we were working on the kitchen and all these people were around working on things. And I was trying to find the perfect dining room table and everywhere I looked, they were a fortune. And so I thought, okay, all these people are here, surely... I can find something and build a table. I don't know. I guess I just thought I could do it and I had no idea what I was doing. And sure enough, I built my own dining room table and I found plans online and I learned how to use a drill and I had a little bit of help, but not a ton. And I just tried and I made a ton of mistakes and I went to the hardware store probably 30 times. I documented the whole thing because I wanted to show people that you know it's not perfect every time. And I love that you were saying we're striving for perfection. It's not always there. But People at, you know, the hardware store were laughing because they see me come back, you know, half an hour later for something else. But I built this thing. And when it was done, I felt so proud and empowered. And I had learned a new skill and I had tried something new. And I got so many comments from people while I was posting it saying, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And I can't believe you did that. And I was thinking, well, five days ago, I knew nothing about this. Mm -hmm. But you can too. And so I think it's a really empowering thing to learn how to do things yourself. But people are still so scared. So what's your take on trying to empower and encourage more people to find their power, not only to just build stuff, but it actually saves them money and gives them new skills. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the dining room table thing because I also was looking for a dining room table and everything that I wanted was out of my price range. And I figured out a way basically to take a $90 table that I bought off of like a... a a thrifting site and turn it into a mid-century modern dining table. And it's the dining room table of my dreams, but there was accidents that happened along the way. The table fell out of the back of my truck in the middle of the road. The wood was cracked. I had to put it back together. So there's a crack on the table and 
you know, it has to be lifted by four people because it's massively heavy and it's not really meant to be taken apart and put back together or anything like that. So it's perfect for me, but for me to sell it to somebody for $3,000 might be a bit of a stretch because they would see all the things like the crack and the fact that it's glued together and that it's piecemealed and think, well, that's not good enough for them, but good enough for me. And so a lot of the times, the stuff that we get hung up on, like we get hung up on these small details, the cracks in the wood, the fact that it's really heavy or bulky or it's not very practical. And it holds us back from like, just making the attempt in the first place. And making stuff over the years has really saved me because I, whenever I needed something and I couldn't find it or I couldn't afford it, I was able to build it. So like the bed I'm sitting on right now was one of the very first projects I made. I made it out of two large doors and it's come with me through various homes. And every time I think, oh, I'm not going to use that bed again, I end up needing a, a frame for a bed and it kind of makes its way back into my house. And it also gives you a nice personal style because these things aren't going to be replicated. You're not going to see them on Instagram with other people's accounts. You're not going to see them in a big box store. And personally for me, I like to have a little mixture of the the handmade, the DIY stuff mixed with like the purchase things. It gives your home a much more comforting home vibe and it makes it unique and it gives you your own kind of perspective and style. And over the years, as you collect things and move and, and gather things up, like I have things that I collected when I was a musician. I have art from my friends that were artists that I did trades with when I was in my 20s. All those pieces of art have come with me throughout the years and made it into different homes. And these collections of things are, they're sentimental to me. They remind me of my past, and but they also keep coming forward with me and going to where I'm going. So I really enjoy having these collections of things from over the years. And, and it makes the space completely mine. You see so much now. People are looking on Instagram and seeing these perfect, what they think are perfect living rooms or perfect homes. And, and so much of it is about curation. And I think I'm of the same mentality as you. To me, I want my home to feel like ours. I want it to feel like I've put you know, some blood, sweat, and tears. And in my case, my table came with all three of those things. <laughs> under, under some screws and things in there. But I think we think we have to go out and buy everything. So how do you think we can make tools more friendly to people who are so scared of them? Well, I think in general, you just have to try it out. And then you kind of understand like, oh, that nail gun just made my life so much easier and it's not that scary. I also love light tools and smaller batteries so that they're a little bit easier for me to handle. And I'm almost 40. I have a ton of injuries and my body just can't handle a lot of extra pressure on my shoulder, on my neck, on my wrists and things like that. So light tools do make a difference. Having somebody there to help you because there's a lot of things that take two people. It's not just a single person job. So having extra hands is, is always a great thing as well. You answered that beautifully. I think it's about just doing it. I love the idea of having someone who can help you and kind of guide you a little bit, whether that's a neighbor or a family member or looking it up online, but they're not as intimidating as you think. And for me, the 
a drill was actually a great entry point because I didn't think I could hurt myself too badly with a drill. And I was like, okay, if I can try and use a drill, then I'll move up to a saw. And I will be honest, like I'm a creative person. I am not a science and math person. So learning angles on saws was like my brain bent in half. Like that took me a second to get my head wrapped around, but I got it eventually. And there's a lot of very terribly cut pieces of wood that have unfortunately fallen victim to me, but I got it eventually. And I think it's just doing it. I think there's no other way. It's true. And I love doing things that maybe are a little bit more tactile. Like I love tile. I like wallpaper. I like doing texture things using mud. And I also love using every piece of scrap wood around. Like I did not throw out a single thing in this renovation. Every cupboard that I took down, every cabinet that we took out, I reused in some way. If something is made of solid wood, generally you're going to be able to find another use for it. Okay. I'm going to turn the tables on us a little bit because I know that no matter what your project is, it takes money. Renovating Mm -hmm. a house takes a lot of money. And I don't know why. I had no idea how people ever afforded to renovate homes because I was always under the impression that you needed to be sitting on all of the money required, that every last penny had to be in your possession to renovate a house. And it always seemed so daunting. So I know I'm currently living through a reno right this moment. I know you are constantly evolving and renovating. How do you approach financing a renovation? Well, my first renovation... I was able to do it through my mortgage. So I did get a mortgage and it was a renovation mortgage. So I was able to draw extra funds from that. And I'm not sure if it's still set up the same way if you're able to do that. But in general, I put like everything back into my home because I feel like it's a it's a good investment to put money back into your home. I've also always been very smart about the properties that I've bought and even though I recently purchased a new property to fix up in this climate, which, you know, seems like it would be a bad idea. I still got a house that was for under asking in amazing part of the city. You know, I always go for the worst house on the best street. And I look for those houses that nobody's competing with me for. I hate competing. I don't do the competing offers, nothing like that. I generally go for houses that have been sitting on the market a little bit longer that need a little bit of work that are intimidating for people. So there's not a lot of competition. But that aside, like once you have the house, it is a big expense to do major things like plumbing and kitchens. And there are ways to go about it to make it more affordable. And we could get into those type of things if you want. But in general, I do put a lot of money back into my property constantly. And I'm also doing a lot of the labor myself and labor is the most expensive thing out there. I've also gotten enough experience with various renovations that I'm pretty good at finding people to do the job for a price that is a little bit more reasonable. And because I tend to be the one that's project managing and contracting it, you know, right there, I'm saving 20% because I'm saving all my contractor fees because that falls back on me. You know, when I was in my 20s and I was a musician and I was touring, I was also delivering pizzas on the side for Salvatore's. And I did so well in tips and I kept saving my money, saving my money, saving my money. That the first thing I did, I think I saved $5,000 and that $5,000 I used as a down payment on my first purchase. So if you're a first time home buyer, you, know, you don't have to put as much down as somebody that's a second home buyer. But so that really helped me. So I got into the game when I was young and I still have that 
property that I that is a rental unit for me. And so any income I get from that even, I put back into my current house that I'm living in. And so it's really like become cyclical for me. It's a lot of money's coming in and going out. I also have philosophies when it comes to money that it should flow like water. And if you let it sit, it becomes stagnant. And there's something about letting money flow in and out, being generous with it, paying people after they've done a hard day's work for you, giving to people that are in need and things like that, that if you don't hold on to money too tightly, it seems to keep coming. You know, that's a philosophy that I've I've held. And I know that people have different thoughts on money. But for me, it seems like the more generous I am with it and the less I cling to it, the more opportunity that comes for me to build my personal equity and to have money to put into these projects. I've also developed a very strategic social media TV show strategy behind my home improvements. So I'm able to gather sponsorships and interest from brands. So a lot of things I get are donated and then I just have to do the labor to put those things in. So, you know, there's a variety of reasons why my renovations might be more affordable than other people's renovations. But in general, I have the rule now where any piece of wood, even a two by four that comes out of a wall, we keep and we save because wood has just become so expensive. And then just sourcing stuff from a variety of places. Like you don't necessarily have to go to a hardware store to get drywall. There's drywall wholesalers. And a lot of those wholesalers are available for residential purchases. They're not just for the big companies. So you can get those good prices if you do the work to find the best price. From saving for your golden years to saving for a rainy day, having a plan for your money is key. Atlantic Credit Unions can help you figure out what future you is looking for. From TFSAs to RRSPs, Atlantic Credit Unions will help you plan for your financial future. I think one of the things that is so overwhelming for people is that you really don't feel like you're in a power position when you're going into these situations. And so we had to learn so much. We, like you, bought one of the worst houses on the street. We were able to get in under asking in a great neighborhood on a great street in a house that needed some TLC. So originally we had not done a mortgage with a renovation. So those products are absolutely still available to people. That was only about three years ago. So we did some painting and we did sort of a lipstick on a pig job to get us through until a larger renovation, which we're in now. And so when that came to be, I had no idea how much money we had until we started exploring. So when I started talking to people in my universe, the value of our house had gone up in the three years. So we were able to leverage the equity from our home that had just climbed over that three-year differential, which isn't a lot of time, but the housing market across the country really has evolved that there was money there, not just what we had paid down, but the value of the house increasing. So between that, the interest rate had dropped in that mm-hmm. three-year period that some of our money that we're using is almost free. By the time everything is sort of accounted for, our mortgage payments are going to go back to what they were before our house was renovated and our house will be 50% bigger than it was and completely yeah. brand new. So I think if I was going to give advice to people just to sort of tack onto what you were saying, if you're buying new, this idea of going into the picture-perfect house, I'm not for it because you pay the premium. Doing some mm-hmm. of the 
itself is so valuable and so rewarding. You know, we demoed our kitchen and it was pretty stressful. Then things happen and you start laughing and then you get to learn new skills and memories and, and it's your home ultimately end of the day. And it's such a cool thing. But I think people need to really educate themselves on the money that's available to them and how do you actually leverage what you have. It doesn't all need to be sitting in your bank account. We certainly couldn't be paying out of pocket for the entire renovation that we're doing right now. So it took me probably six months to figure out the financing strategy for our home renovation. Mm. And then not only did I feel powerful because I could do more things, but I had the power of my how my money was working for me, which I never had before. So I think all of those things together put us into a really exciting spot going into our renovation. It's still stressful. It's still really hard. It's still really expensive, but we're armed really, really well to have conversations about money and to deal with our contractors and do those things. And I think knowledge is power always. So people just need to do a little bit of homework before they dive in. Yeah. And the first three unit, the multi-unit that I bought into in my 20s, when I purchased my first home and did the renovation on that home, I actually drew money out of the other property to renovate the house that I was in. So that was part of it as well. Also with the interest rates being low, even lines of credit have become really affordable. So anytime the bank calls or asks, I just keep asking for a bigger line of credit. Like, can I get approved for $10,000 more? Because that money that the line of credit is, you know, maybe they're charging interest of 6%, even if, if it does take me a little bit of time to pay off that, it's not as much as having credit card debt. So I always make sure I pay off my credit cards. I never miss a payment or I, uh, you know, I always pay off the full amount of my credit cards every month. So I'm never paying interest on my credit cards. If I have to dig into my line of credits than, than I do. We had to get really comfortable doing that because we were sort of always taught like, do not live in debt, live within your means, do all these things. And then when it came to this, we took out a line of credit, we leveraged the equity in our house. And then there's a plan to roll all of that back in together so that when the house is done, the bank comes back in, they reevaluate the value value of your home. And then you're able to pay for those things. And it's all in your mortgage and you pay off your line of credit and you pay those things. So that's a strategy too, that, you know, not being afraid of debt, not long-term, but debt that's an investment. I had a friend say to me one time, would you be scared moving money from your checking account to your TFSA or RSP? And I was like, absolutely not. And he said, well, then don't be afraid of moving the money from your checking account into your home or your line of credit into your home because it truly is such an investment and that shouldn't feel so scary. And so I think it's such a good point of going into debt for this purpose to increase the value of your home is good debt to go into as long as you know that you can pay that mortgage at the end of the day. So it's just being really smart about what you can afford and knowing what the long-term plan is. And you know, for me, I've never seen balances on a line of credit or my credit cards like this in my life. And I just try and sleep at night in spite of it. And it, you know, I know there's a plan and I've got a wonderful group of people behind me in the background, helping me manage my money appropriately. Yeah. And if you ask your mortgage broker, whoever you're dealing with for purchasing your home about even a home equity line of credit, mm -hmm. you know, that's something I didn't know that was available to me. And now I'm kind of getting wise to it and getting those things tacked on because that means that anytime I've ever paid into my mortgage, like any mortgage payments that I've made actually build onto my home equity line of credit and mean that there's money for me to take out for future things that may need. So there's lots of access to funds for 
renovations and these things that people may just not be aware of. And I always say I'm sort of a gold star person. Like I do like when people are like, great job. That was a really smart thing to do. Number one gold star moment of my life was when the lender came back and said, you have amazing credit. This was a no brainer because I don't know about you, but I own my own company. I am not a financer's dream, but having great credit and having reliable income, it goes such a long way. And so I really think if I could have given young Sylvia any advice, it's like, keep your credit in check because it will come back to be such a gift to you later on in your life. Good credit does open the doors to the lines of credit and getting the opportunity to have $10,000 more added to your line of credit. So be kind to yourself if you're younger because it will help you later and you'll get a gold star from someone and it will could be the ticket that could completely change an opportunity for you. And I certainly did not have that information when I was younger and I had no idea I would be on this journey to renovating a house and that that would help that directly. But I wish I did know that at the time. Yeah, I think I was encouraged when I was young to have good credit. And I remember somebody telling me, and I don't know who it was, but just to when you're approved for a credit card, get the credit card, buy one thing, pay it off, mm-hmm. cut up the credit card, and then all of a sudden you've got perfect credit score. <laughs> Exactly. It's perfect. It's so smart. And that's why I always say to people, like, your credit card shouldn't be a get out of jail free card. It should be the thing you use. Like, even if you just buy groceries with it and you pay it off every month, get some points from something, get good credit. Like, it all comes back together. I love my points and I have lots of points from renovating. (laughs) I can't wait until we're able to travel again. I know. I was thinking the same thing too. I had a big grocery order the other day and it was all gone with my points. And I was like, that was a nice feeling. All those two by fours just bought us groceries for a week. That was really, that was a great thing. Okay. One other topic about investing in your house. If I made you pick between a gorgeous kitchen and a new furnace, which one would you do for you? And which one would you do to increase the value of your home? I'd probably remove the furnace and put heat pumps in. (laughs) 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 And then do a smaller kitchen renovation, like solid top countertops and maybe flip the cabinets or do some open shelving on top. And, you know, heat pumps are one of my favorite things that I've ever done in any of my home renovations. And I will keep doing them because I, living without air conditioning in the humidity that we have is just, is just not fun. But then there are people that might say that the kitchen would add more value to the home. But, but a lot of people are buying really expensive homes right now that still need a kitchen renovation. Yeah. But I think if, if you're buying a home, knowing that you're going to have to do a kitchen renovation, you're probably going to update the heating system as well. Question. I'm not going to lie. And I'll tell you, why. it wasn't a trick question for you per se. I was told by a few people that said kitchen is perceived value. It'll probably bring you more bids on a house where a firm actually or a heat pump or whatever the thing is that's heating your home is actual value increase in your home because it's actually so critical. So sometimes people get distracted by the bright and shiny versus elements that are powering your home. So that was a bit of a trick question. So I'm sorry. I really like <laughs> answering that because you had to eat it too. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The furnace um, is interesting though, because it's only really five or $6,000 for a new furnace. So people are getting all worked up about offering on a house that needs a, has an old furnace. I would just say to people, don't let that be the thing that 
keeps you from buying the house or that maybe the offer falls through because you had a condition on it or you're getting into a battle over the date of the furnace. I would say let that slide because it's probably easier right now to get people in to replace a furnace than it is to get people into do a kitchen reno. <laughs> well, that's a great tip because it is true. Like the contractor world is so wild right now. I think the other thing you just touched on is also this. We have looked for opportunities to defer payments on things. So the windows in our house, we found a company that we can pay for our windows in a year. We did that already for a couple of windows when we first bought the house. Those windows have been saved. They're going back into the house. But the rest of the windows, it's a really big chunk of your budget. And when you look at the refinancing of your home when the renovation's done, that can all be rolled in. You pay off the windows before you even pay a lick of interest on them. You can do that with furnaces. You can do that with so many of the big ticket items in your house when you look for financing plans. And I think that's also a creative way to get the thing you need. And still get to have your cake and eat it too. You can still have the kitchen, but maybe the furnace is on a payment plan that you in a year completely pay off. Well, you're going to have to give me that number for the window people. (laughs) We love them. They're the best. I did a lot of homework on that one and there's not a lot of places who do, but I will absolutely share that number with you. Yeah. And I think I'm starting to look into more opportunities to have financing plans outside of just your line of credit and your mortgage because even Efficiency Nova Scotia and other companies are offering incentives for you to update and to make your home more energy efficient and looking for potential payment plans on solar panels or you know heat pumps and things so you don't have to pay that big 15 $20,000 chunk out of your pocket could make sense because you could just be paying the same amount that you'd be paying on a regular power bill for the first you know 5 years and then after that have free energy or be able to sell your house at a better value because there's solar panels or there's ways that your house has become more affordable instead of like a $2,000 oil bill. Like I said, it's quite a journey and finding the things that, and I think it's right, like look for the efficiency programs. Where can you get rebates? That exists for first-time home buyers. It exists for people who are doing renovations. We have our contractor is helping us learn how to wire our house because he's like running wires is a job you can do and it's going to save you a bunch of money. So I think building a team of people around you, whether it's your window person or a contractor that you trust or your lender, get a good team because if you have good people around you, they're going to share their little pockets of knowledge and you'll get better deals on things and just more access to more information. I think it's so important in helping. Another point to that is that if you understand terminology or if you have a little bit of terminology under your belt and you pull out a couple of those words when people come in to quote something for you, then they'll know that they can't really pull the wool over your eyes. Or there might be the quote that's like the, we're really busy right now. We don't really need your business quote. And then there's the quote, like we could use your business. And so that is why it is good to get a couple of different quotes too. Because for instance, I just got a quote for a new roof and one company came in with a $22,000 quote and the other one, a $10,000 quote. I'm like, what is going on? I asked my friend who's a contractor, like, why is there such a discrepancy in the price? And he said, some people are just super busy right now and they're just throwing out these huge numbers. And like, if you say yes, then okay, we're going to do that work. But if not, we're we're really busy right now. So we don't, we don't really need the work. So it's worth it to look around and, and, and get a f- try to get a few different quotes to find out where the average price is sitting and what's you know realistic. And yeah, and then try to do as much as you can yourself. It's so smart. Okay, I've got one more question for you. So here you are, 
literally building yourself an empire and building your future and doing all these amazing things. I'm so impressed with all the things you've got going on. You really are DIY mom. I'm just so impressed. But you have a daughter and your daughter is watching you do all of these things. So you're hosting, you're building, you're building dream homes, you're engaging an online community, you're inspiring people. What kind of messages do you hope stick with her as she sees you do this? Well, you know, she picks up on everything that I do and I can see her, the wheels in her head are constantly turning. Like even the way that she stopped a guy in a big truck the other day and said, um, whose truck is this? You're parked in my mom's spot. You know, like I can see she's like going right to executive leadership skills, you know? So I'm trying to reel it back in a little bit because in general, teaching a child to be kind and positive and treat people with respect and dignity is the most valuable thing that you can teach your child. So for my daughter, anyway, I can tell that she's going to survive just fine. She's be able to take care of herself. She's a, a definite leader. So teaching her to be a listener, to not interrupt and to be kind and to give people compliments and to have people that want to work for you that keep coming back because they enjoyed working for you because you paid them on time because you were nice to them because you spoke to them respectfully is way more of a characteristic and a trait that I would like to instill in her because maybe that's not as easily or naturally come by by her. She's just ready to take the world on and, you know, isn't going to put up with any crap from anybody. So helping her embrace the softer sides of life yeah. is important because she sees me do a lot of hard things all the time. And eventually I know that the hard work and diligence and not taking no for an answer and the never quitting those kind of aspects of my personality will like, will filter into her. So I hope to teach her the more gentler things in life. And my grandfather always said that the most important thing in this life is that we live by the golden rule and that's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if we all live that way, then it would be a much better place. So we can start with our, our teaching our little kids that. You just gave me goosebumps. I love that. I think um, as someone who likes to take the world by the horns and sort of forge their own trail. I feel that for sure. And living in the universe of contractors and drywall dust and all those things, it's a really fine balance between those two. And being a woman, navigating those waters can be really tricky, but you find the people who you have a good relationship with and you forge on. And I think you're just so wonderful and inspiring. And thank you for having a conversation. I think the money side of all of this is something that we're not talking enough about. And I would love for more people to know that the things that they want are more accessible than they might think. The beautiful table in your dining room that's perfect for you, but maybe not everybody else is not that far away from you either. And so thank you for being such a beacon of light and inspiration. I had so much fun talking to you today. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm just so happy that I could share some of the things that I've learned and harnessed over the years. And if it can help somebody or one of your listeners make their own home dreams come true, then it was well worth my while. So I really appreciate the time today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Sylvia. Have a great day. Can I be honest with you for a second, Jonathan? Well, finally, of course. <laughs> well, before we embarked on our home renovation, I actually thought people were just sitting on piles of money to renovate their homes. Yeah, right. And now? Well, that's actually not the case. So the minute I started asking the questions I was afraid to ask, I was getting answers that were critical to making our home reno dreams come true. Financing a home renovation is a complicated subject to say the least, but when you talk to Atlanta credit unions, they'll break it all down and have you feeling like a financing pro by the end of it all, I promise. 
Well, it's so true. I can confidently say I know so much more about my money than I ever did before. And that knowledge unlocked money I didn't actually know that I had. 